0: It's really good. That last song, um, if I could have a little more light in the room, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That last song is powerful, um, and I know the band did a good job, but it's powerful because you're singing scripture. That is Psalm 34. Of course, you know, it's not in the exact order of Psalm 34. That song isn't, but it uses all the words of Psalm 34. So, um, that's awesome. The people that came out with that first was David in Scripture, but the next people in our generation that came out is Shane and Shane. Thank you, some of you. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are actually listening. Um, I, <clears throat> Shane and Shane, and it's on their Psalms album. There is Psalms two. If you buy that, um, you you will not be disappointed at all. Psalms two, Shane and Shane absolutely incredible. And you can buy it on iTunes or Amazon or wherever, wherever you buy music. I get some money for saying that this morning. <laughs> that little advertisement to get a little kickback. But but nonetheless, there you go. Okay. Um, we are in Ephesians chapter 5. And if you'll go ahead and, and turn there, we are wrapping up a series called You're Putting Me On. And so today, um, the sermon is a little bit different in that it's it's not the normal like there's a flow and there's an end and all that kind of stuff. This is actually us wrapping up some stuff that we didn't say last week and then ending with a conclusion to the series. So that's that's the ebb and flow of today. So Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading with verse 1. And it says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We have been talking about putting on the new humanity because that's how Ephesians puts it. Some of you, when you've talked about it, have talked about putting on Christ. That is also scriptural, but that's in Galatians. It's the same writer, Paul wrote Galatians, but in Ephesians, he uses this term, put on the new humanity, the new life. And so we talked about that being the wisdom of God that you put on. We talked about it's the light that you put on, and last week we talked about love that you put on. So the new humanity, be imitators of God. Um, how many of you remember from when you're a kid that little thing you used to say on the playground? Um, Nicole and Philip sitting in a tree, K I S S I N G. First comes love, then comes marriage. I thought that was brilliant to teach kids. And then comes Aurora in a baby carriage, right? Sucking her thumb, wetting her pants. And of course you would pick somebody that you were trying to make fun of, because back then we we didn't wear our fills on our shoulders. You you would pick somebody, you know, Philip sucking his thumb, wetting his pants watch him do the hula dance, or whatever it was, you know, whatever you decided to do there. Yeah, it was it was uh, kissing, love, marriage, and, and that particular thing, and it was, it was wrapped in that. Last year, uh, my family went to Gatlinburg um, for vacation, and honestly, I wasn't real sure about it. <clears throat> I'm not... I don't know, I just wasn't real sure about going to Gatlinburg for for vacation, but we went. And actually, I had a great time. We went to Dollywood for two days. I was very shocked at how fun Dollywood actually is. Um, The roller coasters are incredible. They have this wooden roller coaster that will take your breath out of you. Um, the lightning rod—it's absolutely incredible if you like that sort of thing. But nonetheless, we did that, and then we did other little things around around that town, like around the area. One thing that we did was we went to the NASCAR go kart track. The reason we went there is because my wife loves NASCAR. She she likes to watch things go around and around. And around and around and around it around it around, around and see I usually fall asleep on the couch and wake up, and they're doing the same thing that they were doing at the beginning, just in different, different positions. But she likes it, and so we went. We went there, and, then, and we and we did all these these races and stuff. And we got to this track, and we we all got in as a family. And I thought, instead of this time trying to win, I would just enjoy my kids racing around. The track, and so I was in a. I had already scoped out my car because that's what I do. I scope out the car I think is the fastest, and then I get in that one, and I made sure that I was behind Aurora and Quinn. Um, Nicole, I don't even know where she was on the track. She was nowhere to be seen. Um, so she says she was about to lap us, but if that's on the other side of the track, I'm not sure how that was going to happen. But nonetheless, we were we were going around the track, and I am very aware of everything that is happening around me when I'm behind any wheel of any type of vehicle. One of the reasons for that is because I seem to be a magnet for people to hit my car. Okay, I, I, they just like to hit it. They like to come into my lane and I've avoided more accidents than I actually have and that's a pretty astounding number. So, they're never my fault. But nonetheless, I'm very aware of people people around me. I'm just always on edge. So. While we were on this track, I noticed that there was this guy that was spinning people out. So he would spin them out here and spin them out here and spin them out here. And when he got up beside me, I knew he was going to do the same thing to me. So I let up off the gas and he just flew past me is, is what happened. So he didn't get to spin me out. So I, I, I hit the accelerator again and was watching. Well, he, he caught up with my daughter and he spun her out. And something snapped inside of me. I put the pedal to the metal, caught up with him and spun him around three times when <laughs> I hit it, right? And then, and then passed. And as soon as that was over, I thought, oh my goodness, that wasn't loving or Christian, <laughs> right? Neither one. So I on myself just pulled into the, you know, thing and just, just got out of the car and, and, and I was done. However, when they pulled in at the end of the, at the, end of the race, by the way, he didn't spin out anybody anymore the, the, the rest of the time. So I put a stop to that. So he, he, pulled in, he pulled into the thing, and I, for some reason, I don't know why I do this. I'm so small. But I, I stood exactly where he was getting out of his car, and I flexed my little muscles, <laughs> and I watched him. He looked at me and then didn't make eye contact. He, he kind of went, went on. But anyway, he messed with my daughter. Now, I'm going to share with you something that, that hit me in a devotional that I had while I was preparing all this. And it's about Marriage. And it has, changed, it has really changed the way I view my marriage. It, it has changed the way I view Nicole. I've always loved her, but when, I, when this hit me, um, it, it really took me to a whole new level. And I, and I can't explain it exactly, how it took me to a whole new level, but it took me a whole new level. I am married to a daughter of God the Father. And so how I treat her is in a direct relationship to how he feels. If I treat her badly, he doesn't like it. And if I treat her well, he likes it. And he is more passionate about his daughters and sons that he has than I am about Aurora. He is more passionate and more willing to go to great lengths to make sure that they're in his family. He put his son on the cross so that Nicole could be his daughter. And so when I interact with my wife, I need to interact not only as a husband that loves her, but I need to interact with her as if God the Father is watching his daughter and watching my interactions with her. And do I really want to tick off the Father? Do I really want to tick him off with what I'm about to say? How I'm about to treat her? And let me tell you something else ladies. God feels the same way about his sons. So the way that you treat your husband, God the Father is watching, and he is just as protective over his boys as he is his girls. So in our in our relationships, we love our spouses as God the Father has loved his spouse. It, it, loved his, but he did not have a spouse. That is really bad theology. As he has loved them, as he has loved our spouses, and that's how we treat them. As soon as that hit me, and this is, this is a recent thing. I've always loved Nicole. As soon as that hit me, I, I took a couple of steps back and started analyzing how I'm, how I'm treating her. Right? How do I treat her? How do I do it? And I was not treating her at the level that I should have been. So I have a total different strategy now, total different mindset about how that is supposed to go. Check out these verses. First John 3 verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, so are we. Next. Galatians 3, 26-29, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, neither is there Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are, get this, Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a child of his. And so it's not just really my interaction with my wife. It's also my interactions with all believers, with everybody. I am supposed to treat them as God the Father would treat them as sons and daughters and take that into consideration. So if I decide to hate one of God's daughters or hate one of God's sons, he's not going to like that too much. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, Philip, you're reading just a little bit too much into it. Well, no, I'm not. Because this verse says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. If you do not treat your brothers and sisters in Christ with love you do not love God. If you're constantly at them for some reason, you do not love God. And God takes it very, very seriously. So, here's the deal. There are some people that have married fools. Come on. (laughs) There are some people... That have married fools are foolish people. They, they've just done that. So you might be sitting here today and you said, Phil, Philip, look, you know, I, I had a marriage, I'm in a marriage, whichever one it is. I tried my best to work it out to the best of my ability. It is just not going in the direction. The person that I've been married to, I've shown them love. I, I've, I've shown them service. I, I have done everything in my power to love them. Now, there are times, if you were talking to me, there are times that I have not treated them correctly. I mean, I know that. But in my heart, I've really tried to serve. I've really tried to do the things that are right. I've really tried to follow Jesus. And, and that, my spouse is still not recognizing what I'm doing for them. My spouse is still not saying, hey, good job. They're not even noticing anything that I'm doing for them, I'm never recognized by my spouse for for the way that I'm loving them, and it, and it is so depressing. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, and it's it's just getting to where they they are just a little bit unlovable, and when you say a little bit, that means a lot in the in the English. That means they're a lot. Of, you're just trying to be nice about it, right? You're just trying to be nice about it. They're just a lot unlovable, and it's a struggle. For me to love them it's really a struggle in fact I would say that they're unlovable but I'm still showing them love I'm not getting any reward I'm not getting any traction here on earth everything seems to still be going down it's not getting better I but most importantly God the Father has good news for you today check this out if you love those who love you what benefit is that to you for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, love the unlovable people in your life, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. If you're in a marriage, this an awesome marriage, and you've worked through some stuff, and you've been faithful, and, and they notice what you do, and you notice what they do, that is great. You have a reward for remaining faithful in that marriage. But I submit to you this morning, if you're in a marriage where you are really trying to serve and do what you can, but this person over here just doesn't want to, doesn't recognize what you're doing, but you are loving that person anyway, your reward is greater than the reward that we get over here. Your reward is greater because you are loving an unlovable person like God the Father has loved them. And he has taken notice he has looked down from heaven. He noticed that you have married somebody that at minimum is acting foolish. And you're trying your best to do the right thing. And you're trying your best to love them with all your heart. And you're serving them. And you're being respectful to them. But they do not reciprocate that. And they do not notice that. I want to let you know that your father in heaven has noticed what you are doing. That you are loving the unlovable like he loves the unlovable, and your reward is great. You are getting extra credit in heaven. Come on, extra credit. People that have, and I'm not, I'm not demeaning a good marriage. I want you to have a good marriage. So I don't want you to go home and say, well, I really need, it. I don't want you to bust this up, okay? All right, you're, you're getting a reward for this. But it is easier to love someone who's lovable than it is to love someone who's rejecting that love every minute of their day. And if you are staying secure and focused and and, and concrete when it comes to your love for them and you continue to show, I want to let you know you're getting extra credit in heaven. And that is awesome. That is awesome. You're going to stand before the Father one day and he's going to be proud of you because you have something in common with him. You have loved the unlovable. Whew. It's hard now. It's going to be awesome then. Check this out. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for e. A- For an eternal, eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. An eternal weight of glory. When you put on love and you love those people in your life that are unlovable like God does, you are getting an eternal weight of glory. I don't know exactly, I can't comprehend how much an eternal weight actually is, but there's things in this life I can't pick up. I mean, look at me. There are things in this life I can't pick up, right? I just can't do, but an eternal weight. So, so the, the, the reward in heaven is huge. When you love people that are unlovable, when you love those people like God the Father has loved them. So take it to heart. Your heavenly father's looking down at you and smiling, smiling. He's proud of you. And he has taken notice. Isn't that awesome? So let's talk about, and I messed this up in the first service. Neil Armstrong. I kept saying Lance. Lance in the first service, Lance Armstrong. And I don't know if you know, but they're different. One rides a bicycle, the other goes into outer space. Two totally different things. Um, So, Neil Armstrong. Uh, As you know, Neil Armstrong, amongst really just a handful of people in the world, in all of history, actually, has actually been to outer space and saw our world from outer space and then the stars and the planets and and the solar systems and the galaxies from that perspective. And so we know that Neil Armstrong has landed on the moon, stepped on the moon. He's walked on it and got back on the ship and made it actually back to Earth. It's a very rare thing for, for that to happen. So he has a rare perspective. And I've watched some interviews with him. Right? I've watched some, some people interviewing him and asking him questions about his experience. And, and Lance often doesn't have the words to describe. Okay, so, so Lance was in E.T. Never mind. You, never mind. That was a bad joke. Neil, at Armstrong. Armstrong often has doesn't have the words to describe his experience when he he goes there, right? And so I was watching one time and there was a little reporter asking him some questions and she said, so how big do you think outer space is? And he said, well, I don't know. Well, that wasn't good enough for her. She said, well, you've been out there. I mean, you've flown to the moon, you've seen it. You've landed on the moon, you've seen it, you've come back and you've seen it, so, so just how, how large do you think it is? And, and Armstrong said, I, I, don't, I don't know how big it is. I, I just don't know. So she went a little further and she said, okay, well, um, you know, the, the earth is going around the sun and the moon and stuff, where do you think we are in the universe, What do you think our planet is in regard to everything else in the universe? And uh, Neil said, "I, I don't know. I don't know. And the reason I don't know is because I can't comprehend how big the universe is, how big outer space is. And because I can't comprehend how big that is, I really don't know where we are in regards to everything else. I I couldn't put that on a map. I couldn't draw something. I couldn't tell you that. But what I can tell you is that it's magnificent. It's magnificent. In Scripture, in Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Now, I have to tell you this. I have no clue how to describe to you a definition of glory. You don't either. We look it up, we try to wrap our minds around it, we try to put words to it, but we, we can't describe what glory actually is. It's kind of like beauty. You, you can't really get a good definition for what beauty is, you just know what it is. You see beauty, you say, that's beautiful. You look at ugly and you say, that's ugly. I mean, there, there's, there's really no kind of definition. In fact, if you look up these words, like beauty, beauty is what's beautiful or pretty. Well, that doesn't tell you anything. Right, So we know what beauty is because we've seen it and we're impacted by it. We know what ugly is because we've seen it and we're impacted by it. Right, We're impacted by it. Glory is the same sort of word. We can see it, but we can't describe it, but we're impacted by it. So if you've ever looked up in outer space and went like, wow, that is absolutely amazing. If you've ever laid on the ground on a, on a summer night and looked up and went, wow, that creation is, is mind-blowing. The expanse of space, the stars, the moon going around. If you have a telescope, I have one that you can actually see. the. Jupiter, and you can see uh, the moons going around Jupiter uh, during particular parts of the year, and it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I can see the red dot on mine. Like, it's, it's very small, but you can see it. At least I think you can see it. I might be making it up. I might be saying that's the red dot. But no, I can see the colors. I can see the colors of that planet. It's, it's actually in, incredible to fathom that part of creation and glory and the magnificent and the allness that comes about you at you when you see that. So, glory. So, Ephesians chapter 3, start reading with verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And it says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want you to notice, 21, to him be the what? Glory in the what? The church. This means, ladies and gentlemen, that not only do the heavens shout, and that's what that Hebrew word means, the glory of God down to us, It also means that that same shouting that comes from heaven is also the same power that is within the people of the church to shout God's glory to everybody that's around us. There are two things that shouts God's glory. The heavens and the church. So when you're looking up in the sky and you're like, wow, that is absolutely magnificent, God is saying that same glory is when God's people get together and they put on the new humanity and they live by God's wisdom, they shine as lights to the nations, they love like they're supposed to love, even the unlovable people. When they put on that new humanity, the world sees the glory of God and it shouts right in their face. That, ladies and gentlemen, is power. That is more power than you can even fathom. See, we think in terms of power like Superman or Wonder Woman, or we think in terms of Captain America or the Incredible Hulk or or Spider-Man or people like that, but that's not really power. Power isn't my ability which I don't have, to lev- levitate something and move it across the room. If I was to do that today, there would be nobody here next week. Okay? That's not power. Power is when we submit to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We put on the new humanity, and his glory shines through us. It's when we live correctly, and we are the appropriate witnesses in this world you and I can live in such a way that people will look at the church and say, "Wow that is magnificent. I do not understand why this group of people is together. I do not understand how this group of of people can love the way they love. I cannot understand how this group of people can shine and and you just feel good while you're around them. I, I don't understand how this could come from this group of people, but this is what I know. I want to somehow get in touch with whatever that is. You see, someone... Looked up into outer space and said, oh, I think we can make it to the moon. I think we need to try to make it to the moon. I think we need to try to start charting that frontier, right? The last frontier, right? Somebody somebody said that. Um, I think he had pointed ears, but nonetheless, he, he said that, right? And we made it to the moon. The church needs to live in such a way that people are like, hey, I need, I need to start Hanging around that to see what this is all about. And the goal is to live in such a way with the glory of God that people are attracted to it. And one day they find Jesus and the answer to the glory that they were wild with at the beginning. Amen? So, last part, 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power... At work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us, and we thank you for your word and your love the first thing that we ask for today is that you'll help us love the unlovable just like we love the lovable. It's not that we don't recognize that there's some things that they're doing that are toxic. It's not that we have to hang around them. Sometimes that stuff just has to be out of our life, but just because we put up a boundary doesn't mean that we have quit loving that individual, that we pray for that individual that our heart aches for that individual that is away from you. So help us to love like you love. Thank you, Father, for the encouragement that several that have loved like they were supposed to love, but it just didn't work out the way it was supposed to. We just want to say thank you for noticing Thank you for looking down and and seeing their effort. Thank you for looking down and being proud of them. Thank you for looking down and valuing it enough to add to their treasure that they will get in heaven when one day they stand before you. And I pray that as some of them continue to struggle with this, that this will be a constant reminder that you... You're proud of them. And that will strengthen them to continue to do what they're doing. Father, we're thankful for your glory. We're we're thankful for the ability to have that power. Help us to live the new humanity in such a way that people do look at the church, they do look at our lives, and they do say, wow, that is magnificent. I pray, Father, as we live the way that we've talked about the last five to six weeks, I pray, Father, that people will see it and get around us and then come to church and then meet you, accept you as their Savior. There is nothing greater for us to see here on this earth than that. So we're asking that we'll be able to reach the loss with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for your honor and your powerful glory. So we leave all of this into your hands and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're gonna sing the song of invitation. The altar is open for you if you need it. I'm also here to pray with you.